0: Our first reading this morning can be found on page 1146, the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, and we read verses 1 to 8, and then we move forward to verses 15 to 16. Hebrews 13, page 1146, the writer to the Hebrews comes to his concluding exhortations to them. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are ill-treated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can human beings do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Then moving to verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. And this is the word of the Lord. Now, if you are able, please stand for the Gospel reading, which can be found on page 989, Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, and we read the opening verse and then move forward to verse 7. Luke 14, verse 1, Jesus at a Pharisee's house. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. Then verse 7. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
1: Heavenly Father, open our hearts to hear the words that you have to say to us this morning. Amen. Please be seated. I find this new microphone arrangement a bit scary. It's like being stared down by an aggressive caterpillar or something. It's kind of. <laughs> I was struck by the words of that collect, um, God who shows your mighty power most chiefly in mercy and pity. What a world we'd live in if people who had power showed it chiefly in mercy and pity. So, like most primary age children, I was a veteran attender of friends' birthday parties by the tender age of nine. Now, I've got to tell you that the whole class party was quite a rarity. Most parents set the guest list bar at a more manageable eight to ten children. So that meant delight if you made the invite list for someone you hung out with at school, and some considerable discomfort if you didn't, but other friends of yours did. But apart from your own birthday party, of course, nothing could compare with the joy of being the best friend of the person having the birthday party, because when it came to the birthday tea, you were asked to sit next to the birthday girl or boy and then bask in the reflected glory. This, of course, could be quite fraught. A very popular child might have to handle protracted negotiations in the playground about this, from their closest group of friends in the run-up to their party. And woe, much woe to the child who presumed they could occupy that position without invitation and had to be relocated by a firm parent further down the table. So we might not know a lot about ancient Near Eastern hospitality traditions when it comes to seating guests, but if you've ever been to a child's birthday party, or a formal dinner, or a seated wedding reception, or observed the reshuffling of a government cabinet, you will perfectly well understand that there is a human preoccupation with positions of honour. I'm doing something that's making a noise. Is it me? What can I stop, Tom? Is it the cable? No? I don't want it to wind everybody up through the thing. That's okay. I need to not speak. I think that's what it is. (laughs) So Jesus watches guests vying for position at the table of a notable Pharisee. And he watches, presumably, as this backfires on one or two, resulting in the host having to move them uh, to allow for a more important guest to be seated where they had parked themselves. That's embarrassing, isn't it, for all involved? Jesus observes the human propensity to value or to seek to value ourselves more highly than we value others. The tendency to either be so secure in our own superiority that we assume we are more important than others or so insecure about ourselves and our own worth that we spend our time striving for that affirmation of others through association, being seen in the right places and with the right people. You may have met people to whom this seems important. They are keen to tell you who they bumped into and had a key conversation with, or who they had lunch with, or who attends the same social club that they do. The message is, you see, I'm in. I'm in with the power brokers, the decision makers around here. Then in our Luke passage, Jesus notices those who are most often left out. We have a section of rhetoric here from verse 12 of that chapter that stresses his point. When you give a luncheon or dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Is Jesus saying we don't get to drink with our close friends and family? Of course not. We know from Jesus' own life that he ate and drank himself. He partied at weddings and ate and relaxed with his friends and his disciples. But he's saying if we stop at that, if that's the extent of our circle of association, then we are missing something vital. We are missing people out. We are failing to honour those whom God honours. Failing to recognise the fierce love of God and value that God bestows on all he has made. Failing to offer a place to the God-made and the God-loved who for no other reason than humanity's worst tendencies towards self-interest most often find themselves on the outside of our welcome. Now this reflection on position and honour follows an incident just before dinner at the Pharisee's house. You know, we jumped from verse 1 to verse 7. Well, the bit in the middle is Jesus healing a man who uh, presents himself before him there at the dinner, s- suffering from swellings um, in his body. And he points out their hypocrisy and their lack of compassion for considering it wrong to heal on the Sabbath. They've let their love of religious, legal propriety it obscure their vision. They can't see the worth of the man in God's eyes because they're too concerned with the reputational scorecard. Jesus loved his friends, yes, but he also sought out the company of and ate with those who are excluded or on the margins and he was utterly unbothered about how that might look to others because all humanity has this in common. We are all God made and God loved Love your neighbour as yourself. This is not about charity and haves and have-nots and about benevolence. This is at its very root about our recognition that we find our own true identity in the identity of the other. When we did the vision work a few months ago, we had that strong sense of God calling us to be a church family that felt safe, a refuge where people can be real and there is no need for masks, where it's okay to be amateurs, where it's okay to be flawed, where we can talk about the transforming work of God, but in the reality of our own bumpy lives without having to pretend that we've got it all sorted. If we truly become a community like that, you see, we don't have to play and we don't get to play that ranking game with one another or feel superior either spiritually or socially, because we've all got our stuff going on. Some of us are just better at burying or hiding it. In the kingdom of God, this is really, really important, because firstly, we locate our own identity in Christ, and then in one another through Christ. Just as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in community, we are in community. Our way is a different way. It's not to seek honour for ourselves, but to elevate one another to a place of honour. It's to recognise Christ in one another, to name and affirm the activity and the love of God in and for one another. (coughs) To pick an example, the Haven Project for Rough Sleepers based here in Whitstable. It's a Churches Together in Whitstable project and a lot of people from here and other places are involved. Much of the work is about trying to provide a place where those who need it are gently reminded of their value and their worth. That their bodies are worth care and attention, adequate clothing, food, warmth. That they deserve a safe place where they can have company without judgment and support from others. That others want them to thrive and find a firmer foothold in life the opportunity for work, for a roof over their head, or a way out of isolation and addiction. If we live our life that way, loving our neighbour as ourself, identifying God and God's activity in one another, naming one another as God made and God loved, then we're unlikely to mind when we, where we end up on the table. But it will turn our attention from ourselves to others, And if we're all at it, we're likely to find that we too benefit from the appreciation of others who want to see us thrive and grow. Our security does not lie in our social position, because in the kingdom of God, we are sons, we are daughters, we are heirs with Christ, who is our Lord and also our brother. If you like to name drop who you get to rub shoulders with, how about the Prince of Peace? How about... Almighty Saviour, the Alpha and the Omega, Emmanuel, Logos, the creator of the universe. How about that for starters? Gives you goosebumps, doesn't it? The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? That's the writer of Hebrews, that passage we heard, he's quoting Psalm 118. The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The opening part of chapter 13 of Hebrews urges us into sustained activity and practice. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Continue to remember those in prison and those mistreated as if you yourself were suffering. Love your neighbor as yourself. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Continually offer to God praise. Do not forget to do good and share with others. Why those exhortations? Well, because from time to time we fall short, we let each other down, we dishonor ourselves and one another, we forget, we overlook those who are struggling quietly, we're inconsistent, we get discontented, we run out of steam, we get tired. This stuff takes resolve and energy and renewed determination, and it requires the continual refilling of the Holy Spirit in our lives to sustain. We can't pour out of emptiness. If Jesus couldn't, we can't. Jesus continually went away to a quiet place by himself, didn't he, to rest and recuperate. Quite often outside, we read, don't we? And I know that's a place, that's something I find particularly restorative, if I can get outside and just sit and be with God. You might have different places that do that for you. But it's important, isn't it, that withdrawing. We go to God for that perspective. We get the energy and the resources that we need to live and we need to love well. So in the light of all this, let's have a little think together in the presence of God this morning. This God who wants to rub shoulders with us. Who do I feel is very different from me? Is there anyone I know that I look down on or avoid? What might Jesus think about that? What might he be calling me to do about that? Is there anyone among us who is isolated and alone? Have I recently gone out of my way to show sustained welcome or hospitality to someone who might otherwise not be welcomed? Do I really believe God loves and values me as I am right now? as we dwell on these things do not listen to the voice of guilt and condemnation that's never God but look at the space the spacious place that God wants to draw you into this morning what opportunities is God putting before you to open yourself up to kingdom community and to one another come Holy Spirit